0: In hindsight, it was not a good idea to schedule a spiritual retreat for the week of a birthday ending in zero. It was bound to get too intense. A good retreat always has the effect of kind of tearing me down a little bit, making myself ask hard questions, take a long look in the mirror. And those big birthdays bring enough of that energy on their own. I didn't need to double up. Before COVID, the plan had been for Rochelle and I to greet Forty on some big international trip, somewhere beautiful and exciting that would distract us from the decaying of our bodies and the failure to realize our dreams. Too too intense for the first minute of the sermon. I just wanna let you know where my mind was. Instead of being distracted by an action-packed trip of a lifetime, I was alone far from home with nothing planned except long walks in which I would ask those hard questions. What have I accomplished with my life? Is it enough? Am I on the right path? Where do I go from here? And I should say here at the outset, I I generally am very happy in my life. I have loving friends and family. I have meaningful work that I enjoy, especially when it's not a pandemic. I have everything I need to keep me safe and comfortable. But even with all of that, I'm not immune to those what if questions. By 40, we all make a lot of choices. We all go down a certain number of paths and say no to so many others. And in the middle of the night, alone in one's Airbnb with more than half of one's life behind one, Statistically speaking, one could find oneself asking, what if I'd done things differently? I woke up at 4 a.m. two days before my birthday, unable to get back to sleep. I laid in bed for like an hour, making sure. Finally, I got up and made breakfast and did the dishes and started a load of laundry. The plan had been to take the day easy because it was supposed to rain that afternoon. Sleep in, clean up, order something smothered in hatch green chili. But since I had already done everything I had planned for the day before sunrise, I decided I needed a new plan. I decided today would be the day I would do my pilgrimage to Chimayo, a pilgrimage I've been looking forward to for years. Chimayo is this famous church north of Santa Fe that that pilgrims have been journeying to for over a century. It's the most important pilgrimage site in America. My plan was to do the shortest route, just five and a half miles, since I'd have to walk it both ways. I'd park at the church and then walk back to the beginning and then start my pilgrimage back again. Since I was getting an early start, I was pretty sure I could knock out 11 miles before the rain, which is a very reverent mindset to start a pilgrimage with. I drove the hour and a half north, watching the landscape become more mountainous and watching the thermometer on my car dip. As I got close to the church, my ears popped and there was snow all over the hills there. It was beautiful, the perfect place to spend the day on foot. But when I pulled into the parking lot and laced up my boots, I realized I had no cell reception. I hadn't saved the map of the route. I was just figuring on looking it up when I got there. I didn't even remember which of the surrounding towns I was supposed to be walking to and from. But I was at the most important pilgrimage site in America, so surely there would be like a placard or something. I figured I'd just walk around and find someone to ask. But turning the corner toward the church, the place was totally empty. A sign listed the visiting hours, which had apparently only begun a few minutes before. And as you come from the parking lot, I was walking down this long, narrow sidewalk with chain-link fence on both sides. And the fences were threaded with crosses and beads that had been carried there by other pilgrims. Ahead of me, I could see all of these different shrines on the campus there, and they all looked closed and deserted. There was a path that led up the hill toward where I figured the church must be. And then coming down that hill was the only other person who seemed to be there, someone who had gotten up even earlier than I had. He was already leaving, looking at a few of the pilgrim offerings there in the chain link as he walked toward me down the sidewalk. And I looked up to smile as I passed him and then I stopped. Eric? I asked. Yes. He was confused. And before I clarified, I swore. But in my defense, it was a swear beginning with holy. And then I remembered the sign in the parking lot that said to respect other people's devotions in this sacred place, so I apologized. And he was looking very confused at this point, (laughs) being sworn at by a stranger first thing in the morning at... America's most important pilgrimage site. So finally, I said, it's Vince Amlin from NYU. And then he swore, it was the first time we'd seen each other in 20 years. Eric had been a grad student in the Department of Dramatic Writing when I was in undergrad. And we would both had work-study positions there on the floor, too. He was kind and funny, and he was the reason I came home one summer constantly saying, I know, right? I knew from Facebook he lived in LA like a lot of our classmates living the dream we had when we were students writing for TV. Someone who made those what if questions kick up in me. He knew from Facebook, I was a minister in Chicago. And now here we were at a tiny church in northern New Mexico at just after nine on a Saturday morning. He asked the obvious question first, and I tried to explain about my retreat and turning 40 and questions one might ask in the middle of the night, and then it was his turn. I'm on a kind of personal retreat, too, he told me. I was supposed to be moving, and then things kind of fell apart, so I went on the road. And then he said this thing that he repeated a few times in our short conversation. He said, I'm doing exactly what I always dreamed of doing. And it's nothing like what I thought. It's not what I expected it to be. I chewed on those words after we said goodbye and and Eric headed for the parking lot and I made my way uphill to the sanctuary to pray. And I kept chewing on them when I decided not to ask the priest which way to walk because it suddenly seemed like nothing I was going to find in 11 miles of walking would be as spiritually significant as this weird encounter. And I was still chewing on Eric's words a week later as I started the drive back to Chicago, already on the other side of 40, listening to a book about the two halves of life by one of my favorite spiritual writers, the Franciscan friar, Richard Rohr. Eric's words echoed in my head when I heard Rohr say, until we're led to the limits of our present game plan and find it to be insufficient, we will not search out or find the real source, the deep well or the constantly flowing stream. They were in my head again when Rohr quoted Carl Jung saying, One cannot live the afternoon of life according to the program of life's morning. For what was great in the morning will be of little importance in the evening, and what in the morning was true will become a lie. Having left before sunrise again that day on my drive home, I listened in the dark as Rohr described the work of morning and of afternoon. In the first half of life, he explained, we do the work of creating an identity, deciding who we will be and and what we'll do for work and who will be with us on this journey. And in the second half of life, he said, we learn to let go of that constructed identity. And in favor of our true selves. Or another way he pictured it was that in that first half of life, we create a container, and in the second half of life, we figure out what to fill it with. Or in that first half of life, we build a raft, and in the second, we sail it to a distant shore. Jesus uses a different metaphor. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, he says, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. In the first half of life, we grow this beautiful seed. And in the second half of life, that seed has to die so that something new can live. No matter what metaphor we use, the shape of the journey seems to be the same. Two halves and in the middle, a crisis. I think that I'm sailing to a distant shore only to find in the middle that I have merely created the raft to begin that journey. I spend my life perfecting this beautiful vessel or doing the best I can and then realize in the middle, it's empty. I discover truths in the morning that in the light of the afternoon no longer seem true. I achieve greatness and find it hollow. I get exactly the life I had dreamed of, or maybe I don't. And either way, it's not what I expected. It doesn't bring the fulfillment I believed it would. It's not enough. It's not the whole thing. Either way, I find myself on some retreat in northern New Mexico wondering what's next. Asking what if, so what, who cares? I spend my life, my energy, my resources to create the best seed I am capable of producing only to realize that for anything good to come of it, it will have to die. Jesus is at the height of his powers when he offers this parable. He's just ridden into Jerusalem, surrounded by adoring followers on the day that we remember as Palm Sunday. The Gospel of John has this great line, the Pharisees say to one another when they see the crowds and know he's untouchable. Comes just before this seed part, they say to each other, look, the world has gone after him. It's just what the disciples have always dreamed of for him and and for themselves. Maybe it's what Jesus has been dreaming too, though we don't think of him as susceptible to midlife crisis. Maybe he's already wise to the hollowness of his success, of any success. Maybe it only occurs to him after he hits this pinnacle of fame and finds himself asking, "Who, who cares? So what? What is it for? Fame, or wealth, or success, or career, or security, or even family? The self that I have worked so hard constructing and defending, what does it mean, really? What's it for? How did I ever believe this was the point of it all, that this was the whole me, that this was the far shore? This is just... A beginning. I've only walked from the parking lot to the starting line and now the pilgrimage begins. I've only made an empty jug, a sturdy raft, a shiny new seed. And what good is a seed unless it's planted, unless it's destroyed? What good is a seed, however well made, unless it dies and something new is born from it? Those who love their life will lose it. Try to hold on to that seed and it shrivels. That raft crumbles. The vessel remains beautiful and empty. But those who lose their life, who are willing to risk what they've built, those who understand that the real value of a life is in spending it, They will find more and more and more. An eternity. At least that's what Jesus thinks. And Jung and Roar, I can't claim to know. I have not gotten that far in the 15 days since I was in Chimayo. I'm still in the stage of swearing and waking up in the middle of the night. I'm still in crisis. Not to worry you, just regular, ordinary crisis. Nothing unmanageable, for God at least. And I recognize that preaching to many of you who turned 40 a long time ago, I I can't presume to teach you any of this. And those for whom 40 is still a ways off, the afternoon truth might sound like lies for now. So maybe I am truly only preaching this for myself, and if so, I'm sorry but these things don't always line up perfectly with ages, so maybe there are some of you close enough to it to still be asking hard questions or still be waking up in the middle of the night. Or maybe you're on that journey, but you can use a reminder. No matter where you are, if you find yourself taking long looks in the mirror at the seed or the jug or the raft and wondering if this is all there is, wiser people than me have said no. It is just the beginning of a further adventure to discover the people God made us to be, our true selves, the deep wells, the far shore. To leave on the journey, they say, will cost everything we have and everything we believed ourselves to be. And if that sounds as intense to you as it does to me, then maybe we can walk together.